Welcome to the Bible Studies for Life adult podcast, hosted each week by Chris Johnson and myself, Lynn Pryor. And in this podcast you're listening to, we're going to talk about listening. So, Chris, I want to ask you a question. <laughs> ask away, Lynn. Ask away. When you're a kid, when your mom or dad corrected you, did they ever say something like this? Chris, are you listening to me? Do you hear what I'm saying? Well, yes, I think it would be it would have been more my mom than my dad. And uh, yes, so that usually meant that she was going to talk more. (laughs) So (laughs) I had to figure out what if I wanted to listen more, listen to her talk more uh, that I needed to be able to explain. Yeah, I heard you. Well, I, I never had heard it myself. I heard my sisters hear it a lot. Um, <laughs> but I know that always meant what I'm telling you, you better be doing as well. Well, what we're going to be talking about today is we're talking about more than just hearing in general. We're going to be talking about hearing God's word. Great to be with you today, Lynn. And I'm listening. I just want you to know that. Uh, we are thrilled to have Ron Brown with us today. Ron is uh, the writer for the Herschel Hobbs commentary. And uh, Ron was a, an employee of Lifeway for a long time. How many years? Uh, well, over 23, about 23 and a quarter. Uh, you know, there, there are some very specific things that I remember about Ron when I when he comes to mind. And one of those is that he's from Michigan and has uh, uh, is, is a is a big Michigan uh, fan. I got uh, I got birthday tickets to the Michigan, Michigan State football game this fall. For wow, myself. that's a big deal. He and I are going. So it's a big deal. <laughs> great. Great to have you with us, man. Hey, I'm glad to be here. Hey, I got a follow up question. I wondered if you still heard that question at your house today. <laughs> Probably more <Yeah. laughs> today than then. <laughs> I will confess, though, there's been moments I've used it with my sons growing up, just you know, and implied, you know, you, you need to do what I'm saying. I just hear it. So, well, the, the focus is on hearing God's word as we're in this, uh, as we continue our study of, um, building our life on God's word. So we want to look at this idea that we want to seize opportunities to hear God's word proclaimed and explained. So we're going to be in Nehemiah chapter eight, but guys, I need to ask you to do something for me, Ron. I'm going to throw this at you. In fact, before we get into Nehemiah eight, I think it'd be helpful for us to kind of pick up the context of everything that's led up to what we're about to read. Can you, would you mind doing that, Ron? Well, sure. Well, I think you have to go back to the fall of Jerusalem to the Babylonians, uh, because that is that was the initial event, uh, and that was in response to. Uh, well, if you you can look at things in history that these are historical moments, and that there's uh, uh, sort of political and uh, sociological. Uh, uh, issues that lead to certain things, but from a scripture point of view uh, and from a divine or godly point of view, uh, what we see was God was at work in the course of human history to bring some disciplinary action against his people for their rebellion. Sure. So hence uh, the uh, capture by the Babylonians and the taking of many of the most prominent citizens into exile. Well, as happens in human history, well, one mighty empire 
exists for a while and then it falls to another. And so the Babylonians were overtaken by the Persians. And, uh, and that was about 539, something like that. And then about a year later, why Cyrus uh, offered a decree that said all the exiles that want to can start to trickle back home. And so there were a lot who did go back uh, to uh, Judea, to Jerusalem. There were many who stayed. The, the uh, movement back to Jerusalem didn't happen all in, you know, just one big swoop, but several waves uh, took place. And so right. Ezra led a group going back and Nehemiah led a group going back. It's interesting to note that, you know, in our, uh, in our canon, we have Ezra and Nehemiah. Uh, in, in the Hebrew Bible, Ezra slash or hyphen Nehemiah kind of exists as one book because the message oh, yeah. is so intertwined. Uh, Ezra and Nehemiah have some things in common in that both were in exile themselves, but they had achieved a certain level of, uh, of prominence. So they became officials as part of uh, uh, the exilic government, so to speak, uh, and were highly influential. They led groups back. Ezra was a scribe priest, so he was kind of a religious, uh, spiritual leader. Nehemiah was a cupbearer for the king, and he went back uh, to help rebuild the wall uh, and to stabilize uh, uh, some structure there in Jerusalem. So in many ways, he represents kind of the, the, the civil side of, uh, of the culture that redeveloped in Jerusalem. So those are two prominent men and two prominent leaders who were influential in the reestablishment of, uh, of Jerusalem, the building of the temple and the building of the walls. And uh, the, the event that's, that we're gonna talk about today occurred uh, after the, the temple had been built and the walls have been completed. That whole story of Nehemiah uh, prior to, to chapter eight is a fascinating story of the rebuilding of the wall. Uh, it's fascinating in the sense that it took place in 52 days. And it's fascinating in the sense that yes. not only was it 52 days of hard labor, but it, they faced opposition from one end to the other uh, as they were trying uh, to accomplish that. But uh, uh, it was accomplished. And, and what brings us to chapter 8 is that all of this is finished, but there seems to be a sense that says that the future of Jerusalem and of the people is not dependent upon a wall, neither is it dependent upon a temple. It is dependent upon an, a hearing and an understanding and an obedience to God's word. And that's kind of what brings us to where we are in our discussion today. So what they're going to do is they gather together, they're going to hear God's word. And of course, we're in the book of Nehemiah, but the central figure here is Ezra in this account. Nehemiah 8 starts with this. All the people gathered together at the square in front of the water gate. They asked the scribe Ezra to bring the book of the law of Moses that the Lord had given Israel. So on the first day of the seventh month, the priest Ezra brought the law before the assembly of men, women, and all who could listen with understanding. And while he was facing the square in front of the water gate, he read out of it from daybreak until noon before the men, the women, and those who could understand. 
All the people listened intently to the book of the law. So I can't help it. I, I hear that uh, the location in the square in front of the Watergate, and I immediately go to the Watergate break-in. We've been talking uh, over the past several months um, about this being 50 years since the Watergate break-in, and uh, I'm sure I'm not the only one that will want to talk about Watergate. <laughs> Richard Nixon and all those. Guys. We can just clarify the Watergate that's in Nehemiah 8 is not a hotel. Okay. <laughs> and neither was it the uh, kind of the water break, Watergate break in. Uh, this is sort of the Watergate break out because there was a breaking out of the word and of the people and of an understanding and uh, of a whole spiritual revival that took place uh, in Jerusalem as a result of it. Yes, and that's that's what I love about this. These people came and they put themselves in a position to hear God's word. And we, we as you see in Nehemiah eight, what what I love about this, uh, it says here that uh, from from daybreak until noon, he spoke. He read to the people, and you read later they were standing the whole time from daybreak till noon just to hear God's word yeah. and to celebrate it. Well, and the, uh, another interesting point that. Is so uh, so different from our day. Uh, they ask Ezra to bring the book of the law of Moses. So you know what that consisted of. That would have been you know those first five books. That would have included even the book of Leviticus. And so here <laughs> here are the people who are, who have this great desire to hear the word from the Lord, the law of Moses, and they're not looking for just the good parts. Uh, and they're, they're, they're saying, hey, we want to hear it all. And, and so they were not only, you know, th this whole thing was a kind of a lay-led initiative. I mean, it was the people that said, Ezra, we want to hear, we want to hear this reading of the word. And so they not only initiated it, but their commitment to it is seen in just what you said in that they stood up all day uh, listening, uh, s striving not only to hear, but to understand. And then we'll get to it. But there was a commitment on their part to it as, as well. So it is a fascinating story of the power of God's word and the desire of uh, and the results that comes to a people who desire to hear God's word. One of the questions that we ask uh, uh, for today, so none of, okay, so let me know, I'm not going to speak for all the people who listen to this podcast, but I think that I know the, the three of us well enough to say that the idea of going and listening to somebody read for four or five hours while I'm standing up is probably not something that we're, we would sign up for. Is that fair? Sure. Okay. Oh yeah. So let me, let me bring it to today from a different perspective. What are some obstacles that we have to hearing God's word? Well, I do think Chris, you hit upon it uh, quite well as our attention spans are, we're not disciplined to listen long. If you've ever uh, seen or watched a TED talk, the principle behind a TED talk is they last 18 minutes. I mean, they are not, they are trained. This is an 18 minute presentation, but they say the research behind it is that is, that is the right length for a, uh, 
for presentation. You go longer than that, you start losing people. We're just not disciplined to listen long anymore. Yeah. I mean, I think we do have to recognize that these people didn't have a lot of other uh, alternatives. I mean, th this is this is this was part of their culture, uh, even more than even more than reading themselves. You know, it was it was an oral kind of culture. They were used to the stories being passed along, so they were more attuned that this is the way that you receive information. This is the way you learn is you hear it more than you read it. I mean, it, they, they asked Ezra to come and bring the scroll with him because he had one. Not everybody did. So, you know, it's, it, there is a difference in mindset that existed at that particular time period. And we've got all of this competition of the way we communicate with each other and the way we can kind of fancy up our communication. So therefore, you know, it, it does challenge uh, our, uh, most of us that, okay, I'm looking for something that's got a little more excitement and bite to it because we know that those options are out there. Yeah. Give me a, give me a drama of this. Give me, let me watch this. Let me, uh, yeah, I, I guess I can see that. Okay. Thank you. And we do, when we talk about hearing God's word, the vast majority of the context of when that happens, where we're hearing it, is in the context of a Bible study or a sermon mm -hmm. where we're talking. And, and well, let's, as I just did here, well, let's read verses one through three, which is great. But let me just offer this as another way, because I've talked with people who, man, I know I'm supposed to, I, I know I read, I really need to read God's word, but. I get to the book of Leviticus and I get bogged down. I hear those kind of things or I'm just not a reader. And I know I'm supposed to, but just not a reader. Let me suggest an audio book. Uh, the version app that's out there, uh, a lot of the translations, there's just an audio version of it. Uh, I use that a lot. I've learned when I'm by myself in a vehicle in my car, I just turn that on and I listen to scripture. Uh, it's another way for me to engage with God's word. And it's in a slightly different way than, than what I see when I, when I see the words. I've also found it helps me when uh, not be quite so much a jerk when I drive if I'm listening <laughs> to God's word. But good. But I think that's a great for us, great way for us to hear God's word. Just listen to it while you're driving. You're in that. Oh, I never have time to read God's word. Well, you have time for what you want to do. But the other side is you've got a lot of free time when instead of listening to uh, the, the radio station and hear the same songs or the same sports analysis you heard yesterday, listen to God's word. Great tool that we've got for us. So the next part of the passage uh, that you're getting ready to, to read and that Ron alluded to is something else was going on in the crowd besides just hearing God's word. So uh, let's, let's go to yeah. that point. Yeah, before we get into verses seven and eight, where we're going to see where they're, they're the men that stepped up to help them to understand what they were hearing. Let me just tell you, when you're in your group, when you come to verse seven, you're about to read 13 names. Don't do it. Don't even try. 13 Hebrew names. Now, you know, Chris, <laughs> you and I have talked about this before. I think your way of saying it is just yeah, a bunch of names. You just kind of, that's a bunch of names and you move on. Here's my approach. And I've, I've, I've told people just do this. If you're, if you're called upon the class to read and you come on those names, just barrel through them with real confidence. Because yep. even if you, you, you mess them up, you burger them up and you mispronounce them. But if you do it with confidence, everyone in the group's going to go, oh, so that's how you pronounce it. 
So anyway, let's get into verse seven and eight. Here's the names. Uh, Joshua, Benai, Sherebiah, Jamin, Akub, Shabbatai, Hodiah, Messiah, Kalida, Azariah, Jazabad, Hanan, and Peliah, who were Levites, explained the law to the people as they stood in their places. They read out of the book of God, read out of the book of the law of God, translating and giving the meaning so that the people could understand what was read. So let me summarize that. (laughs) I wrote this down. The Levites explained the law to the people, translating uh, and giving meaning so that the people could understand what was read. That sounds kind of like church and Bible study, doesn't it? It does, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, we, we did, we bypassed the fact that, uh, you know, that the, the gathering included men and women and all they could hear with understanding, which probably included children with the certain levels anyway. So, you know, here's a predecessor for all age group Bible study right here. <laughs> We have access to this um, on a regular basis. We have uh, uh, pastors who open God's word and do exactly what was happening here. They, they, they read it and they explain it and apply it. They, uh, we have Sunday school teachers and Bible study teachers um, who take the initiative to facilitate groups who open God's word and uh, help people to understand God's word. I talked to that individual uh, several years ago. Let's see, this would have been in 2010 because 2011 was coming up and that was the 400th anniversary of the King James Bible. And this man was working on uh, some presentations that their, their publisher was doing. And he said, you know, what's interesting, what he discovered in his reading, you know, back in the day in 1611, not everybody read. And the King James Version was written, was translated with the idea it would be read to the congregation. It would be read for people to hear, not necessarily to read. Now, and and let me just tell you, I I processed that. I thought that makes sense. I'm one of those that I've read the King James. I've read uh, the scripture all the way through in the King James. And there's parts I struggle with reading. But whenever I've heard someone read it out loud, I get it. I, I it just, it, I just the flow of it. Shakespeare is the same way. I struggled reading Shakespeare, but I've been to many, many plays and I follow right along with what's going on. There's something about the hearing process uh, as the King James is written. It's for me, it's easy to follow. Uh, and so that's what these people were doing. They were hearing God's word, but at the same time, it was being explained to them. When I work with our writers uh, for Bible Studies for Life, uh, I tell them that I want you to go deep on this as you write, but write it in a way that anybody can understand. And Ron, that's my own approach to preaching is I find if I can preach it in a way that a high school student, a middle school student gets it, I think everybody gets it. Uh, if I, but if I, if I just talk to the seminary uh, professors in the room, I'm going to reach a very limited audience. It may sound profound and academic, but am I really doing anything that's helping them understand God's word? I think there's a difference there too, in that you can, you can read it and people can hear it and they may even learn it in in a, to a certain level. But when we're talking about what took place here of causing the people to understand it, that's where it gets down to, more what we might call being transformational, 
uh, and uh, getting down to application. Uh, that way, I, I know more than just what it says. I, I have an understanding of what difference that makes in my life or, and what holy truth is being communicated there rather than just, okay, I can quote the law to you. Chris James, uh, and what he wrote in our personal study guides, uh, shared, gave some tips on if, if when you're hearing God's word, here's some things to do that really enhance your listening. He talks about, of course, pray about, pray, uh, as Psalm 119 says, open my eyes and I may see wonderful things in your law. But he also talked about taking some good notes. Uh, I found that taking notes when I hear someone preach really does help me. And sometimes I'll growl, it'll make me think of a question, something I want to pursue. But he also talked about to uh, talk about it, uh, talk with others about it. I know there's some churches where uh, the process of, of uh, they'll have a, after the sermon, they will get together in a small group and th- their whole focus is let's talk about what we just heard in the sermon. I think those are some great tips for us to consider uh, as we hear God's word and what we learn from it. We were talking a few minutes ago about, you know, the, all of the ways in which people can learn today and communicate information today. I read with a pencil. <laughs> And, and and what I mean by that is, you know, it's I, it's rare that I sit down even with, with a book and with my Bible that I don't have a pen or a pencil because I like to underline uh, things. And so that is helpful to me in processing information and connecting what's been said earlier in a passage. Uh, you know, I've got some Bibles where I've, I've drawn lines from something from a, a a previous verse down to a verse that follows that where I see a connection. So not only do I read with my eyes, I, I like to read with my pencil. That's good. Now, as we hear God's word, it's not enough just to hear it. I mean, that's good. But the idea behind hearing is to do something with it. This goes back to the question, uh, Chris, you and I were talking about at the beginning when our parents would say, are you listening to what I'm saying? Because what's implied in that is I know you're hearing the words, but are you going to follow through and do what I'm telling you to do? And there's a sense where when God calls us to hear his word, it's so that we would respond to it. I want us to look at verse 9. I want to see how they responded with both. Uh, well, they responded with, with, with repentance and some celebration here. Verse 9, Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites who were instructing the people said to all of them, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people were weeping as they heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, Go and eat what is rich, drink what is sweet, and send portions to those who have nothing prepared, since today is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve, because the joy of the Lord is your strength. And the Levites quieted all the people, saying, Be still, since today is holy. Don't grieve. That all the people began to eat and drink, send portions, and have a great celebration because they had understood the words that were explained to them. Ron, tell me, help us out. Why were the people, why were they grieving? And then why were they told you should celebrate instead? Well, perhaps they were grieving. There, there could be a couple of reasons. Uh, there's a, there may have been a certain sentimentality to what was going on there. You were hearing the reading of a word 
that you knew about. You, this was not your first introduction to it. And so you were hearing it with, you know, it's kind of refreshing. Uh, and it takes you back to years before when you heard that word. And, and you know, sometimes we do that. We may read a passage that uh, goes back to uh, a, a troubled time or to our childhood, and we become very sentimentally attached to that. So and that generates some emotion. Uh, that's a possibility. The, uh, the other possibility is that it was a convicting word. So when they were hearing the law read, uh, again, this was not something that was new information to them. What they were dealing with is this is something that we know, but we have not been doing. And so that kind of convicting or conviction, uh, you know, could cause a, a, a repentant spirit, a sorrowful spirit uh, over recognizing your own failure, the guilt of your own failure at responding to God's word. There is also the possibility that some of these people are had been exiled and had returned, and it may have been a long time since they had heard the reading of God's word. So it, it, it could have been a very emotional experience if they had been um, um, there. For some, they may have been hearing it for the first time. Now, the, you know, I guess you're going you're gonna to talk about the reason why the admonition, don't weep, don't cry, don't be sorry. And it all seems to boil down to that this is a holy day. Uh, this day is holy unto the Lord in verse 10 and in verse 11, for the day is holy, so don't be grieved. Uh, there's an interesting uh, thought there that says you can be holy and happy at the same time. <laughs> because sometimes we associate holiness with such solemnity and happiness as being something that comes closer to frivolity and we don't put you know solemnity and frivolity together and it seems like nehemiah and these levites are saying hey you need to rejoice because this is a holy day the lord is holy and that is because he's holy or separate set apart and day apart and set apart that's something for you to be happy about so i mean there will become you get to chapter nine you know, okay, now it's time to do some repentance. But right now, just rejoice that we've got this experience together and we've got this experience rallying around God's word and we've got this experience where God is revealing himself and that brings joy and it is in that joy that you find strength for living. I do like that phrase, Ron, where he says there, the joy of the Lord is your strength. The way this thing ends is that don't be grieving, go have a party. It, it is like, it's like, have us have a potluck dinner, bring out the casseroles. I mean, get, you get that good food and it says, uh, talks about the sweet drinks. This is a place where you get casseroles and sweet tea. Ron, always good to have you, man. Thanks for your work. We do this. It's fun for us to do it, but uh, we do this for those of you who are listening. We hope this is beneficial to you and helps you to connect to God's word. You have heard 
God's word read today. And so we're, we're, we're consistent in doing that. And uh, we hope, we hope that our explanation and conversation about God's word will benefit you as you head into uh, Bible study this week. <music>